Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creator and really nice guy, Jeff Sanalotti, about what comics he would take into a super volcano eruption apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads. To find out more, visit their website at comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Jeff Zanalotti. How's it going? Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. How's everything? Absolute pleasure. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Been a real busy day at work, um, but uh, I'm, I'm all for, all the better to uh, to speaking to you um, about comics. So, um, yeah, um, with that in mind, um, for those that haven't come across you just yet, what do you do in the world of comics? Well, um, my name is Jeff Zanalotti. I'm an independent comic book creator. I kind of created the brand of Zed Comics original in, in 2020 as a place where I could kind of tell my own stories and have been creating, writing, drawing, lettering my own comics ever since. I'm working on my second title now. It's currently uh, in a Kickstarter crowdfunder called uh, Accidental Renegades and just love telling stories and, and love that people get a chance to enjoy them. That's fantastic. And uh, yeah, no, um, just to give the, the listeners a flavor of, of Accidental Renegade, um, what's, the, what's the story behind that? Uh, Accidental Renegades is, uh, it, it, like I said, it's currently issue one is, is on Kickstarter now. It's a 36-page manga-inspired comic book about bumbling superpowered mercenaries who unintentionally ignite a global revolution. It kind of you know, turns the, the typical superhero tropes on its side, and it asks the question, how do you stay out of the public eye when you unwillingly become the most notorious people on the planet? <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. And uh, it looks like you're, you're, you're well-funded already, um, but more backers are, of, are of course, Absolutely. welcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so right. folks out there, if you search on Kickstarter Accidental Renegades, it'll come up, but also um, the, the direct link was in the show notes as well. Um, so yeah, feel free to, to go click on that link, go check out Accidental Renegades, and if it's your bag, make sure that you back it. Um, and where else can people find you online, Jeff? Uh, the easiest thing to remember is just Zed Comics Original. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Zed Comics Original. You can find me at Twitter at the letter Z Comics Original. So the other ones are the word Z Z E D Comics Original. I know for some of our European listeners, that's a that's a little bit different than it is here in America. Um, Z Comics Original, the letter Z uh, for Twitter, and then the website is ZComicsOriginal.com, where you can find some sequential art, some fan art, and also some original characters. Excellent, um, and of course those those links are all in the show notes, folks. So go feel free to to, to like, follow, and uh, anything else that you can do on social media <laughs> as well <laughs> um, to uh, to Z Original Comics. Um, excellent. Um, so um, all of that being said, I do have some bad news for you, and it's and it's really bad timing considering that you're running a Kickstarter um, as we speak. But unfortunately, there's been a super volcano eruption, 
Um, and so my first question to you, Jeff, is what is your action plan for survival? Well, that is that is bad news, actually, because the, the Kickstarter was going well. But, you know, super volcano eruption is, is a tough apocalypse to have to deal with. Um, you know, if I'm looking at it from a practical point of view, volcano erupts, I want to get to high ground. I want to be downwind. I want to find shelter, supplies, water, food, mm-hmm. gasoline, and then just basic medical supplies. Um, my wife's a, a nurse, so we always have the the cabinet stocked with all sorts of medicines and ointments. So I'd probably empty those into a into a duffel bag and, and you know get the family as far away as I could. That's mm-hmm. what I would love to say. But there's also a certain amount of romance in, in kind of doing some of the the the, the Pompeii things mm-hmm. where they they found you know two lovers intertwined and they just wanted to you know spend their last <laughs> moments together. Like there's a part of me that says I would love to be that person that just meets my demise with with love and, and integrity. But I think I'd probably be kicking and screaming the entire way to the end. So I would try <laughs> to get out as fast and as quickly as possible and get as many people as I could with me and take my chances from there. Nice. And a- any particular spots that you'd be heading for? Um, whatever. I mean, I guess it depends. You know, I live on an island. So, you know, if there were a volcano eruption here, we're all in trouble because there's not a lot of places you can go. Um, but if, <laughs> you know, if the situation presented itself and I could get far enough and high enough away, I would just drive in that direction as fast as my car would take me. Excellent. Um, well, you managed to to find a safe place that's that's very high and downwind. Um, of the of the actual eruption itself, so um, consider yourself saved with your family. Um, and just on a on a evening around the campfire, um, you know the subject of comics comes up, and uh, your family ask you, uh, "What's the first comic you remember enjoying?" Well, you know it's it's hard to say what the first one I remember enjoying because it's been a very mm-hmm. long journey for me. But I definitely think mm-hmm. that one that that resonates as as being extremely impactful was. Um, probably around Uncanny X-Men number 189. That's the, the Hellfire Club storyline. Um, there were just so many moments in that, that that became iconic later, so many characters that were introduced. And I can remember reading that and just kind of falling in love with the idea of comics. I've always been a fan before then, but I think that was probably where I internalized exactly what that medium was capable of because of how much I enjoyed everything. The characters, the representation, the art, the story, everything in that run, I think was really where I had you know, what I call like my geek puberty. And like, that's when it awakens something in me that this is something I really enjoy. That's fantastic. And where, where would you usually get your, your local comics? So back then, and again, I'm dating myself a little bit, but back then <laughs> um, there were, there was a local comic shop. Um, it right. was really, I mean, I was younger then as I got, you know, to like middle school and, and high school age, it wasn't really cool to read comic books. So I'd kind of have to almost do it secretly. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, the convenience stores, um, a lot of the bookstores sold comic books. So, you know, we have, you know, the 7-Elevens, the 24-hour convenience stores where you could go and, and buy comics off the, the spinner racks in, you know, gas stations and stuff like that. So I would often go there and avoid the local comic shop for a while because I was honestly afraid of being socially ostracized for being seen coming out of a comic book store. So I would go late at night and, and you know, almost kind of like a, a junkie, pick up my comics from, you know, the dark <laughs> Put it in a the- bag. And- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was almost secretive. Um yeah. But that's, you know, back then, that's how I used to get get most of my comics, um, just because it, I look at the way it is now and, and how not even accepted, but like embraced geek culture mm-hmm. has become. And, and, you know, it's it's awesome because it wasn't always like that. And a lot of younger listeners might not realize, but it was not always so well represented and it wasn't something you could brag about. So 
Saturday back then night. it was a little bit different <laughs> and, and I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it more secretly than, than probably a lot of people have to today. Fair play. Um, and then um, obviously you, you set up Z Comics um, in, in 2020, but were there any kind of forays into comic creation when you were younger? I'm not specifically like a full comic creation. I'd always been doing fan art and, you know, um, kind of, you know, mishmash characters, like, you know, a reimagining of my favorite characters. I had drawn panels that were basically back then, like I think a lot of, of young aspiring comics creators were just copies of the existing panels, um, you know, but with my own characters put in there. I never really told a coherent beginning to end story until I, I kind of started Z Comics Original in 2020. And came right out the gate with a, a full book that that I had in conjunction with Free Comic Book Day, and that I think really solidified that this is something I can do. If I put you know my mind to it, I can get this done. It can be of a certain quality. It can be well received. But prior to that, it was just pinups and fun and art and you know boxes full of half finished drawings. <laughs> nice one, um, but that's that's fantastic that you've you've taken the plunge. Um, recently, and was there was there anything in particular that kind of you know spurred you on? Uh, specifically, I think for a lot of people, um, I was affected by you know the pandemic, um, and mm-hmm. not in a negative way at all, really. Um, mm. You know, when you know over here we had gone on a pretty extensive lockdown. Um, I yeah. you know I'm a high school teacher, so most of my work was done virtually right. for that that you know entirety of that year. So I really didn't have anything to do outside the house, and there were a lot of restrictions here on what you could and could not do. And I had spent a lot of time, especially with a lot of the, the um, protests and um, kind of racial unrest that was happening here in the States at the same time. Mm-hmm. I spent too much time, more time than I'm, I'm proud to admit, arguing with, with people on the Internet and was getting very frustrated and, and probably losing you know, mm-hmm. a lot of quality time that I could have been doing something else. I had kind of reached a, a breaking point where I decided that rather than do that, I was going to take all that energy and put it into something creative so that at the very least, there's a productive quality to to my frustration. And I mm-hmm. took a lot of the frustration, I feel a lot of the anger, and I, I started to put it into my work. And one theme that kind of runs through all my stories is the fact that if you're given you know, a certain degree of power or responsibility, you have an obligation to handle that properly. And if not, it kind of falls mm-hmm. on people to to kind of hold you to task. So that's something, even with Accidental Renegades, that kind of resonates in my stories is that you know, if there's injustice in the world, it requires someone who steps up and, and stands up to it. So um, yeah. kind of a, an old superhero trope, but I think spun a little bit differently. And That's that true. kind of became the seed that grew into Z Comics Original once I started telling my stories and, and continued doing it and found that it was a, you know, it was therapeutic, but it was creative and it was enjoyable and it was successful. So I, I went from there and, and haven't looked back. That's fantastic, and um, you know, you you say it's kind of like a, a, an old trope, but it's you know, it's it's something that we repeatedly need to learn, <laughs> apparently, as right. a species, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, the more ways that we can kind of, I guess, get that message across, the better, probably. So, you know, all the power to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, I'm um, going back to the campfire, um, and the next question that comes up from your family is uh, what's the funniest comic or most laugh out loud moment in a comic that you've read? So there are times that I wonder if maybe I, I, you know, I don't have, like maybe I just don't have the level of empathy that a human should have because I don't recall ever reading a comic and laughing out loud. To me, it's more of I enjoy the, the, you know, 
when humor is kind of built into the DNA of a comic where, where humor is, is something that is just in the comic book. And I kind of come back to, to two books that I really enjoyed uh, fairly recently. Um, I Hate Fairyland, which is an image book by Scotty Young and The Umbrella Academy, which you know was a great run and now has a show on Netflix. And not because they're necessarily laugh out loud funny. I mean, there is some funny moments, but but the irreverence and the, and the absurdity of the the world are are built right into the world building. And when I kind of created Accidental Renegades, I wanted something that was a little bit irreverent, but I didn't want it to be, you know, goofy. So in the world building, there are things that happen that that are absurd, but none of the characters recognize them as absurd because it's just in that world that sort of behavior is is normal. So while we as the reader are going to look at that unlike any of our experiences and find it humorous, the characters in the book that we're reading to them, it's just another day. And I I find a lot of shows, a lot of movies and a lot of comics that I really enjoy are humorous because almost the entire cast are straight men who don't realize not straight men, meaning like, you know, they're not in on the joke. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of that, it just kind of goes over everyone's heads. It's just, it's seen as normal. Like that, that level of, of humor really appeals to me. That's awesome. And I hate Fairyland is one that's that's been on my reading list, and I need to I need to get round to to reading it because I've just I've always heard such great things about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean my reading pile is like everybody else's. It's like a mile high, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna get there one day. I'm gonna read all of them. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I definitely understand. My reading pile grows, but it really is an interesting story. It's told well. The art is is yeah. Um, you know, it's hyper stylized, but it's also, you know, if you like Scotty Young's cartoonish style art, it fits okay. completely with that universe. And I think that's kind mm-hmm. of important to have that, that to work. And it's, it's just, it's, it's insane, but it's insane in a good way. Excellent. That's what, that's what I like. That's great. Um, now moving on to our next question and changing gears quite a bit. Uh, but what's the saddest comic that you've read? There's a few. There, there were a couple scenes, particularly in in some of the older issues of, of Saga, where you really gain an emotional connection with characters just to have something horrible happen to them. That that you know is a little bit it's a little bit gut wrenching. It's you know it's not shock value, but there's an emotional attachment. But I think for you know saddest or, or upsetting moments, almost the entirety of of I Kill Giants, because throughout the book you're you're having an emotional investment you're you're putting your time and energy into this book it's you know it's personal story it's got loss it's got love it's got longing you know it addresses the subject matter of losing someone close to you and fighting against you know things that you can't control but it does it in a in a in a metaphorical way that is like when they reveal the end it's almost like an emotional gut punch because at least I didn't. And I know a lot of people had kind of spoiled it, but as I was reading it, I didn't necessarily see it coming until you got to that, you know, fairly significant page in the book. And when you realize what had happened, everything before that and how it was, you know, metaphorical or allegorical, it it really kind of hit you differently because you realize what the young girl, what the main character was going through up until that point. So, you know, not necessarily sad, really more poignant and something that a lot of people can relate to losing someone close to them and, and, the process they go through to, to try to deal with or try to prevent that from happening. Um, but definitely a, a perfectly told story from that emotional perspective. Excellent. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I kill giants, another one that I've been meaning to um, to purchase and, and put on my reading pile. Um, but I guess 
just that you know emotional stories like that um are really difficult to get right i think aren't they um like trying to get the right balance um but it sounds yeah. like it's it does have that right balance yeah it does it, it does a great job and and i you know sometimes emotional stories are hardest to tell because you know i think a lot of all you know writers tend to be a little bit heavy-handed on it um mm. but what they do here what what is is great is they they tell the story but they don't they never really almost address the problem directly they address it through through metaphor and right you end up thinking you're going on a direction that it takes a hard right turn somewhere completely different and it's not a shock in you know like a jump scare type of way but it's a shock in that you you kind of have almost like the usual suspects kaiser soze revelation that everything they've been going on was something different than you thought it was and then when you kind of realize that i think the emotional impact is a little bit different that's awesome yeah some some lessons to be learned there um for 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 all creators i guess (laughs) in terms of how to do it right Um, excellent uh now uh changing gears once again uh what's the scariest comic or most horrifying moment in a comic that you've read oh man scary now it's scary for a different reason than i think a lot of people define scary um and i would say that to me one of the most scary horrifying moments in a comic was it's kind of famous now, but the, the Reverend Stryker Nightcrawler panel from God loves man kills where he mm-hmm. basically is addressing him as a demon. And he doesn't you know deserve it. Yeah. I find that it's so horrifying is because mm-hmm. as relevant as it was when it came out, I feel like societally we've come full circle and now we're yeah. once again living in a, in a reality where, you know, entire popula- populations of people are literally considered demonic or sinful or, or shouldn't be around for something they either can't control or choose not to, to be any more than, you know, the character Nightcrawler could. And, mm. you know, there was a period where we looked at it and we we're like, wow, I'm glad we haven't, you know, we, we're not that doing we're that. Tr- we're transcending that. Right. I'm glad we've grown past <laughs> that. And now it looks like yeah. we just made an exact loop to come right back to that point. And, yeah. you know, good art kind of captures what's going on in society, but you kind of hope that eventually that art will become obsolete because society grew past it. I feel like we were making progress, mm-hmm. at least as a, you know, in America, at least as a, as a country and have mm-hmm. for whatever reason, pulled that break and, and hit reverse. And now we're back to, to, you know, times that Reverend Stryker would probably be much more happy about than, you know, than the characters in the X-Men. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. And once again, you know, these type of lessons are the type of things that, that we need to learn over and over again as a species. <laughs> so Absolutely. Um, I, I guess like the, yeah, unfortunately. So, um i guess yeah the, the the more that you can kind of put put those types of lessons in different ways um and you know it's it's not necessarily about beating people's heads around about it but you know doing it in interesting ways um trying to put a point across saying that right. you know we, sh- we we should be good to each other <laughs> basically um that uh yeah no um the, the the more we should we should probably do that and um, yeah, that's I guess guess partially what this podcast is all about is trying to highlight those as well, um, right. stories that that enable enable that. Um, but uh, yeah, man, no, um, it's a it's, it's a good choice, um, and uh, yeah, no, it is it is quite a classic classic panel, isn't it? Um, it really is, and, and and you know, unfortunately, it shouldn't be that hard, but sometimes it seems like it is. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and yeah, for anybody that's yeah interested in in seeing exactly what it says, because it says something along the line like Striker is kind of saying, um, you know, 
you call this a human or something. How dare right. you call call this a human or something? Right, he? right, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Like, put Striker Nightcrawler panel, X-Men. It'll probably come up. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like I said, it, it is pretty iconic. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think most people may not know it exactly, but they're like, yeah, I'm familiar with what you're talking about when you say that. And, and it is, you know, I can picture in my head, like I'm sure a lot of listeners can too. And it, it unfortunately... You know, that's an example where they do kind of hit you over the head with the metaphor, but it also yeah, has yeah. turned out to be necessary because we're, we're returning to that. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you yeah, agree yeah. with it or not, we you can't really dis. You know, whether you agree with the sentiment or not, I don't think mm-hmm. you can disagree that we're we're circling back to that that sort of yeah. you know, um, you know, time here. Yeah, um, and I guess it is. It's, it's difficult to get that right, isn't it? Like in terms of like the metaphor and things like that, but. I guess like if you do it kind of like a roller coaster where, you know, that's like the peak of it, like that's the obvious metaphor. And then you kind of, you know, you move on to like another peak and trough of the, yeah. of the, of the roller coaster, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, then it's not too much like a, I don't know, like this is edutainment <laughs> type of thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. Know. It's, it's, you know, social commentary I think is tough to do. Um, yeah. But I also, I also don't know, going back on a reread if they were necessarily trying to be subtle. So, you know, if subtlety wasn't achieved, it might be because it wasn't, it wasn't desired. Um, But that's, you know, the X-Men have always, I think kind of been, you know, a representation of of marginalized groups to begin with. So I guess, you know, subtlety is kind of out the window when you have a reputation like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Cool. Uh, So um, moving on to my favorite question, and that is what is your favorite cover? There are so many that are great. And and this is such a tough question to answer because it's, yeah. there could be a laundry list of hundreds, but one of my favorite covers, one of the ones that, that, you know, has always impressed me is the fairly iconic Art Adams cover for classic X-Men number one. It's very, very simple. It's the white background with, you know, all the X-Men on it. But I remember seeing, and that was one of the first times that I had seen a group shot with that many characters, um, all looking like, like that cool. I still think it is, one of the most iconic drawings of Wolverine um, where he's in the front with his claws out. You see that in all sorts of things, even today. Mm-hmm. And one of um, one of the, the most impressive drawings of Colossus, who is one of my favorite, you know, comic book characters, at least visually. I, you know, I find that character to be one of the ones that I, I like more than many others, but just every character on that cover is, is doing something. They all look cool. And it just like, it blows my mind that that book, is now about 36 years old. And to me, that that cover still stands out. And I can look at it even now and still find something in there to be impressed. But yeah. I also think that, you know, Art Adams' detail kind of keeps him from being able to work interiors. But every cover that he did for those classic X-Men is, you know, each one is almost a masterpiece. Like he knocked it out of the park with every cover that he did. I almost prefer that work more than his current work. Um, maybe just because of where I was at the time and it, it kind of just sticks with me more. But Every one of those covers that he did, pretty much every one of those covers for Classic X-Men is, you know, amazing. And the Classic X-Men number one just stands out to me because of mm-hmm. of just how much is going on there and how I'd never seen that much represented before. Yeah, it's seriously cool. I think one of the... It's, it's, it's gonna, this might sound weird, but I think one of the very, more, most impressive parts of that cover is actually Storm's cape. Yes, just like the way that it's like, because obviously you have to get like the perspective right, and it's curved as well. 
and I just think that that's like he's 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 obviously nailed it, um, and like it's attached to her wrists, it seems right. as well, and I don't know, like and her hair's flowing there, and then obviously he's he's also and this is like getting into the detail just about her her thighs like coming like in together and obviously like stretching it out like her lower leg mm-hmm. out the back i don't know it's just it's it's the, the the whole perspective of the whole cover is incredibly impressive really but um, yeah i yeah, know yeah i know i know exactly and so you know the i mean angel on that cover i mean i remember yes. seeing Iceman and never seeing his powers really represented like that before with the way like the ice mm-hmm. is forming around his hands and it's yeah. just like i remember seeing it and being like oh my god i actually a few months ago um, was just looking to to pick up some art Adams art, and I you know can't afford any of his you know original stuff. But he sure. had a basically a re- it, it was um, not quite that cover. It looks like he had redrawn it, um, but you know a poster of it. So I made sure I picked that up because it's a black and white version of it, but it's still pretty much the exact same thing. I think he probably just redid it a little bit because it doesn't look identical, but it is more it is that cover and you know, in a much larger poster size. So it's a pretty cool thing to be able to stare at when I'm, you know, should be working, but it's, <laughs> it's just great. You know, his work is great and his work on those covers, every one of them, I think is just top notch. That's so cool. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's nice to revisit those, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Really cool. Really cool. Um, now, um, what comic do you repeatedly read the most? Well, it, it it kind of depends on what I'm working on at the time. Um, I do have a stack of, of um, trade paperbacks and some single issues that I kind of keep in a separate spot because I just tend to go back to them over and over and over again. Um, right now, with Accidental Renegades, I'm trying to capture a certain vibe and uh, I guess a certain feel for it. So I'm rereading some books that I, I think will kind of inspire me. It's got a lot of manga influence. So I'm reading, you know, some My Hero Academia, One Piece, some Soul Eater, some some manga that I've been into for a while to kind of get that that aesthetic overall. Um, but also because the story is supposed to be a little bit odd um, and a little bit unusual. I'm reading Next Wave, Umbrella Academy, Saga, some of the things that I think really kind of will inspire me to, to tell the story the way I want to tell it with, with a little bit of inspiration from them as well. Nice. Um, and yeah, no, those, those type of comics, particularly like my hero academia um, and one piece and things like that are very kind of Moorish. <laughs> you can, you can really devour those. I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Can't you? Um, and, uh, and, and kind of, yeah, re, re go over them and things, but uh, yeah, no, um, it's uh you've clearly obviously you're putting in a uh, a lot of mileage um in terms of kind of yeah research and um trying to gather gather ideas um for for accidental renegades and i guess on on that so number one is obviously kickstarting at the moment um you know how long of a run have you got in mind well it you know the way it's kind of worked out is i'm looking at at least a a nine issue run at least for the first arc um, or the, oh. I guess, yeah, not for the first arc would probably be a good way to put it. One yeah. of the things that I, I really have always appreciated about manga is not just the, the energy and the aesthetics and the art style, although I do, I do really enjoy much of that, but I like the fact that the, the stories are finite, that when they mm. start the story, the mangaka basically knows that it's going to end after a certain time, which is something that Western comics don't necessarily have. I mean, you know, Spider-Man's been around since what the fifties and sixties and, you know, Superman and Batman have been around longer than that. 
and still yeah. going. And, and that's great. But I feel like sometimes those stories can go a little bit off, off path um, mm-hmm. with, with a manga. It's the same creative team and, and, you know, he or she has their vision that they're going to see through to the end. And I do like that. I definitely envision accidental renegades as having an end point. Um, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be, it's going to be, a, you know, a little ways out there um, with crowdfunding, the way these campaigns work, probably three books a year. So be able to put together on a yearly basis, about a hundred page collection. And that should be able to keep the story going for quite some time. That'd be awesome, man. Cool. Yeah. That, cool. That's, that's the goal. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but that's definitely the goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to see how it goes, but yeah, it's, <laughs> as long as you're, you're consistent and things and, yeah, no, um, I'm sure that uh, yeah, all of all of your current backers will continue to back you. So that's uh, that's great. Um, now, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you? The most meaningful comic, and I I don't know if you would get this answer most of the time, but I kind of feel like you would. But to me, the most meaningful comic is the first comic I ever can remember reading, and it's a title that has not been around for quite some time called Crystar the Crystal Warrior. Specifically, it was a Marvel comic um, from the 80s, I think. And, and the one I remember reading was was number eight. And I had to do a lot of detective work to be able to track down what issue it was. And thank God for the internet, because I was able to just start finding it until I found the cover of the one that I was like, I, that's it. That's the cover I remember it. And it was, uh, it was <laughs> number eight, which is, I mean, in all honesty, it's not a particularly great story. Um, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, it's an okay story. But it was impactful for me because it was the first one I remember reading. And I can clearly remember being home from school sick. And my father comes home from work and, and you know, he worked in New York City and probably stopped in the train station. And again, when they sold comic books on the racks, probably just picked up a, a couple comic books and brought them home for me because I was sick. And I remember reading that one and that, while it wasn't necessarily the one that, that blew my mind and it wasn't necessarily the best comic book I'd ever read by, by a long shot, it was the first comic book I can remember reading. And I... I found one in a comic shop many years ago and I put it in a long box and I cannot find it for the life. We cannot find where it is, but I always wanted to have it. And so I went on and I ordered it off of eBay or, you know, some website and got it. Now it's in a frame and it's getting ready to hang up in the office because it is the literal first comic book I can remember reading. What's interesting about it is on the cover is um, the skull that became the logo for the, the band Danzig. And because that skull is on the cover of the book, it's kind of raised the value of the book. So what should be, you know, a book that sold for 60 cents that probably should still sell for 60 cents is a book that costs a lot more than that because the covers become a little bit important to collectors. So uh, I spent a little bit more money than I wanted to for a book. I'm sure I'm absolutely positive I have, but I just cannot find. But again, it was the first comic I'd ever read and, and will always hold a sentimental value to me, even though. Not the best comic I ever read, but definitely the, the the most impactful and probably the most meaningful. That's so cool. And I do recommend everybody go check this out. Um, this cover in particular. It's pretty cool. I like it. It is, a pretty, it is actually um, a really cool cover. It is a really cool cover. It is. I think so. I think it's, it's got Michael really great colors. Cover, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Sorry. Um, yeah, you can totally look it up on the um, on fandom 
um crystal the crystal warrior number eight um but yeah no it's really well balanced there's lots of great colors in there it's got total like he-man thundercats vibes right yeah, yeah going on or something um and even better so the release date is literally the day after my birthday when oh, i was literally okay. born <laughs> so second of april 1984 is my birthday this was released on the third of april yeah. <laughs> so it's literally you know like as old as i am uh, it's amazing it's so cool and yeah they just like the monsters in the background are pretty cool um that's really that's really rad no, i love it i'm gonna i'm gonna check this out because uh, i mean I, I love the uh danzig connection um yeah it's it was interesting i well. hadn't put it together at the time um but later on i was looking i'm like huh i wonder if that's just a coincidence and it, it wasn't from what i from what i had read that it was something that that I don't know if it was Glenn Danzig or someone else from the band that saw that mm-hmm. and wanted to kind of use that as their logo and then did. So now, because that was officially the first appearance of that skull, which if I remember correctly, does not even appear inside the book, but I'd have to go back and, and look. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not sure it even appears inside the book. Of course, the book's you know sealed in a frame now, so I can't open it. But, um, it is definitely on the cover and that was, you know, makes it more of a collector's item than, than it would have been, I think, without. That's super cool. Awesome, man. Um, now, uh, moving on uh, to our penultimate question, and that is what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Uh, well, I mean, I think if you're you know, listening by now, you've probably figured out that I'm more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy, at least growing up, and, and really like the X titles. And, and one necessarily comic run that I think is definitely underrated would be the uncanny X-Men run that was with Claremont and Silvestri that included, you know, the mutant massacre Inferno um, uh, fall of the mutants, you know, all those storylines that kind of hit one after another in the eighties. This was right around the time, I guess, eighties and nineties. This was right around the time that Jim Lee was doing X-Men and, and that was getting all the attention. But I think if you go back and look, the stories that Claremont and Silvestri were telling at the same time, were just as good in some cases, maybe even better than I think some of the stories that, that, you know, were, were happening in the X-Men with Jim Lee. I think from an artistic perspective, that was when Mark Silvestri really hit his stride. I think his work today is great, but I think his work then probably told the story perfectly. Um, the characters were well-drawn. The, the story had an emotional impact. There was actual stakes. The villains were interesting. It was an introduction of some, some pretty cool villains that, that got introduced during that time frame. Um, and that the the this was back when Marvel events were still fairly new. Um, so when like something happens that threatens the whole world, like you kind of felt it. That has I think kind of become so redundant that it, it, it loses some of the impact now. But but back then, reading you know the Mutant Massacre and reading Inferno, like it there were stakes to it. And I think that whole run, everyone remembers Jim Lee, but I think Mark Silvestri and, and Chris Claremont at that time were, were telling equally good, in some cases, even better stories. So as far as underrated, just because of what it was up against at the time, that would probably be what I would say is underrated. Awesome. Well, I'm going to have to get get my hands on it at some point, some of the omnibuses, um, because, uh, yeah, that's that's, again, something that I never really read when I was a kid. Um, cause, uh, yeah, regular listeners will know that I only really got, um, really into comics kind of in my, uh, early, early thirties, um, as a result of watching the walking dead. So I, I, I missed out on a lot of the foundational 
stuff <laughs> that people right, read when right. they were when they were teenagers and stuff. So um, yeah, stuff like Uncanny X Men. Um, yeah, I don't have a have a massive grounding in, um, which is really really unfortunate. I mean, I know some of the some of the bits that um, you know uh, crop up, but um, yeah, no, I, I definitely need to to add that to the reading part once again. Um, right. So yeah, no, it, as you say, underrated. So I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely right. yeah. check it out. And I, I definitely think the storytelling there was great. I think when you start going back, and I have gone back and looked at some of the books that that. You know, I, I loved when I was, you know, a new comics reader and a lot of them still do hold up, but mm-hmm. there's a lot that, that you have to go in understanding that it's going to be a reflection of the time and, yeah, of you know, some of, some of the, some of the jokes and some of the, the, you know, why is this person a threat and sure. it, looking at it with, you know, 2022 eyes, it doesn't really necessarily make a lot of sense. But yeah. at the time, you know, for for what it was, some of these stories were good, and and a lot of them really do still hold up. I, I looked at some of the stuff from from the Claremont and Sylvester run, and I still think some of those panels are great. I still think the story is great. the The dialogue is always a little bit stilted, I think, because it's Chris Claremont, so you know mm. he does have a very pronounced way of writing dialogue. But the story itself, like I said, it has stakes. You kind of feel like you know it's not going to work out well, and there are plenty of cases where it doesn't. Um, the characters have not really been written to be overpowered yet. Like in the, in that storyline, like Wolverine is, you know, he's powerful, but he's not invulnerable. So like when he gets hurt, like it actually makes a difference to the story where I feel like over time, everyone has kind of one up themselves on that character. So now it's more or less an immortal person, but in that run, like he got hurt and he had to like take time to heal. And while that was happening, it was influencing what that character can do in the story, which I think is a lot different from what you see now. So there were definitely stakes and definitely things that, that had impact. So when something happened, it meant something to the story. Awesome. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. So absolutely going to, uh, going to check it out. Um, for sure. Uh, now uh, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? So, it will be a shameless plug for Accidental Renegades number one. I would take my current book into the apocalypse. <laughs> right. And, you know, as the world is burning around us, I would basically be like, hey, you know, it sucks that we're in an apocalypse. And I know, you know, everyone's going to end. But here's a sweet ass manga inspired comic that I created. So, you know, maybe it'll take your mind off the fact that we're all going to die slowly and painfully. So that's the silver lining, because I have to imagine at that point, comic books are going to become a very invaluable resource so if it's not going to be worth a lot at least i can have a personal connection to it and say hey we're all gonna die in the thunderdome but you know here's a comic book (laughs) i I created so why don't we check it out as uh, you know as we die slowly so that's my (laughs) shameless plug because at that point wonderful if it doesn't matter make it make it not matter in a personal way oh absolutely that's fantastic jeff um and uh along with accidental renegades and hopefully you know, if the super volcano um, at Yellowstone ever does erupt, it will be a few years yet. Um, and yeah, at least, <laughs> at least you'll get to finish Accidental Renegades the Fingers whole run, like the nine yeah. issue Absolutely. arc that you're hoping to <laughs> to get out there. Um, but uh, along with that, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well? You know, everyone wants to say water because you know you definitely need water to survive. You know, as an American, I, I kind of want to say a gun because if you had a gun, you can get all mm-hmm. that other stuff. Um, but I think that the, you know, the useful tool to get me, you know, where I need to go, I'm going to say, I would definitely want water 
I would want gas. I would want a way to be able to get around mm-hmm. and just an opportunity to, uh, you know, be able to have something that allows me to get more resources. So as long as I can stay alive, I, I think I can form a clan and we can have a better chance of, of making it in the apocalypse. But if not, you know, at least I'll have a comic book to, to create. Yeah, exactly. You can always fall back on that, right? Exactly. I can um, always, I can die knowing that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, well, Jeff Zalalotti, thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. No, thank you for having me. This has been a great discussion. I appreciate the time. Oh, my pleasure. Um, and um, for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? Yep. Uh, so Instagram, Facebook at ZZED, Comics Original, at Twitter at the letter Z, uh, Comics Original, or the letter Z, Comics Original. And then the um, website is ZComicsOriginal.com. You can find me on any of those. Uh, feel free to, to follow, feel free to, to like and, and engage. I'd be more than happy to hear from anyone. Fantastic. And then do you have any uh, Comic Cons planned, you know, in the in the near future? Not in the near future. Actually checking the schedule now to see what is kind of available here on the northeast coast of, of America, uh, the New York, mm-hmm. Connecticut, New Jersey um, areas. And we'll try to get out and start tabling at some uh, conventions, showing off some stuff and hopefully meeting some fans. That'd be fantastic. Cool. Um, well, again, Jeff, thank you so much Um for sharing our comments with the apocalypse, um, and uh, and I wish you well um, in uh, in the super volcano eruption apocalypse. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do well, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be all right. I'm sure you'll be all right. Right, you take care, Jeff. Thanks again. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Thanks again to Jeff for being on comics for the apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Jeff's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally... As long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.